Hey everyone and welcome. I'm your host Brett Fish and I am so excited to finally be sharing these season two episodes with you. It is so good to have you listening and I just want to say from the start that to have somebody decide to put aside time to listen to words that you say is really, is really a gift. And so I want to say thank you. But at the same time, I want to say if you hear something that you really like, if you hear an episode and you go, that was amazing, then maybe instead of telling me, and I'd love for you to tell me, why don't you tell somebody that you know? And instead of saying someone, hey, go listen to that episode, rather send them the link or tag them in on a tweet that has the link in it, because then they're more likely to listen and say, hey, I really think you're going to enjoy this. Or hey, there's something in this that I'd really love for you to listen to. And also, if you are somebody who has somehow stumbled upon this episode as your first ever out of the fishbowl episode experience, I want to suggest to you that you make a turn and go back to season one and catch up on what you've missed out. And so it might even be worthwhile just pressing pause on this episode now and going back and finding the pineapple on pizza episode where it all started. There are only seven episodes in season one, and I think they give such an amazing kind of foundation and frame The ideas we discussed, the different perspectives we looked at, I think having listened to those episodes will put you in a good place to listen to season two. And so while you can continue to listen to this episode, and I have no doubt that you'll get something out of it, I think it might be worthwhile going right back to the beginning and just spending a bit of time catching up. It's not a lot of time, but I think you'll enjoy that journey. Every single episode of season one, I really love. And we got some incredible feedback. People really engaged with it and loved it. And so I I want to say to you, even if you've listened to most of the episodes, but maybe you missed one or two, go back and listen to those and then come back and continue this journey with us. And one way that I'm hoping season two will be kind of next level is that the hope is that every week when an episode drops, which is usually on a Monday, I'm going to be later that week hosting a Twitter space as a means of kind of having a conversation around the theme of the episode. And so hopefully each week I'll have two or three guests that I've invited to listen to the episode. And then all of you who are audience, who are listening to the episodes, hopefully you will jump on and tell us what you liked, ask questions about things, push back on things you disagreed with. And so hopefully this show, this episode is a catalyst for a conversation that is going to continue in the Twitter space, at your dinner table, with your mates. And so again, I just want to ask you to invite other people, bring friends to that conversation, and let's take this further than where we go now. And if you somehow are not following me yet in the Twitter space, then look for me at BrettFishA. And the podcast you can find at FishbowlCodcast. And hopefully you will tune into that conversation and add your thoughts. And so a while back, we started with season one at the place of the most controversial or one of the most controversial conversations we could have, which was looking at the pineapple on pizza debate. And I thought to myself, that's going to be a hard one to top or maybe topping is the appropriate term. And so as I worked and planned towards season two, I thought, you know what, let's just go for it. Let's talk about and reflect on the worst thing you have ever done. And we're going to do this through the lens of the worst thing 
that I've ever done or one of the worst things that I've ever done. And I'm going to invite you. That might seem like quite a scary, daunting task, which is why if you haven't listened to season one, maybe go and check that out because you'll get a sense of who we are and how we work here and stuff. But I want to invite you to push in because I think this could be super valuable and it could be life transforming and it might be a little bit uncomfortable. And as I talk about one of the worst things that I ever did, I want you to, in the back of your mind or even in the foreground of your mind, just start playing the movie of that thing that you did. What's the worst thing? that you ever did and I'm sure I don't have to spend a lot of time as I've said those words it's probably already right there knocking reminding you bringing some emotion perhaps what's the worst thing you ever said or did and that's where we're going to be going and we typically start an episode with a quote but I thought this is season two so we've got to go bigger and so we're going to have three quotes and each one of these quotes could have maybe actually been the whole episode I could have just read any one of these quotes and there's enough there to just reflect on and think about and just mull over to really change your life so let's get going with those and the first one comes from the bard himself William Shakespeare and he wrote this we know what we are but know not what we may be Oh, and I love that. I love that. We know what we are, but know not what we may be. And it speaks about potential. It speaks about change. It speaks about who we might become. There's so much wrapped into that. And a a similar quote by somebody called Rick Warren, who said this, we are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. And so there's interesting, amazing, heavy thinking to get us going. And the third quote is even shorter then both of those and maybe sum up the whole thing. It's by somebody who was called Frederick the Great, which is maybe super appropriate to this quote, and sets himself up for it as he said, be more than you seem to be. Wow. And maybe that was a quote that was prophetically spoken for the social media generation. Be more than you seem to be. So when you're sitting behind that computer, when you are deciding the words that you're going to type, when you're deciding what pictures you're going to put online, who is the real you? Even in conversation with people, even the kind of masks you might put on when you hang around with people, the persona you're trying to create, be more than you seem to be. And so today we're going to be leaning into the question, who am I, a little bit, and we're going to explore an aspect of this mysterious thing known as identity in an episode that is known to everybody as Episode 1, The Defined Line. Brian Stevenson made this statement. We are all more than the worst thing we have ever done. And now that statement certainly feels true when it's about me, right? And maybe when it's about you. Of course, we don't want to be defined by our worst moments or actions or even words, which got me thinking, what is the worst thing I've ever done? And that was accompanied by the realization that my answer to this might not be the answer someone else comes up with for me. There may well be a number of people who never listen to this, But if they did, could interject with, well, let me just tell you what Brett Fish Anderson did to me. And so I wonder whether the opposite of that statement surely has to be true as well. We cannot only be defined as the very best thing that we've done. As I was thinking about this and I was thinking about people, I think most people would probably see me as one of those two things. And so you get a bunch of people that are, Brett Fish is amazing because he did this, this and that. And some people that are like, yo, I can't stand that guy. What a jerk. He did that thing to me that one time. And so what is the very worst thing I've done? And I wonder if you have had a chance in this very short time to recall what your answer to that question might be. And I really want to encourage you to lean into it. Don't run away. Don't feel overwhelmed. Don't feel defined by it. Just sit with it. Use this time to reflect. And we are going to a hopeful place. So stick with me. We are going to get there. 
And I'm going to share a story that I think is pretty awful. And it may not be the worst thing that I've done because some stories might be too hurtful or personal for others involved. But to me, this definitely feels like one of the very worst things that I ever did. And I'm embarrassed and ashamed to tell the story. But I feel like it might be helpful. And I also think that there are not too many people, if anyone, that have actually heard this story from or about me. I think, no, I might have told it once or twice, but this is not a story I tell. And and there's no kind of sense of pride or anything linked to the story, which is why I just haven't told a lot of people. I mean, there are a couple of stories that come to mind where I imagine most people who know me would go, that can't be true. You would never do something like that. And yet they are. And I did to my deep shame and regret. And I'm also not going to share too deeply about stories that contain some small measure of pride in the retelling, like the time in primary school I was caught shoplifting, trying to smuggle sweets out of a cafe in my recorder case, or the time I secretly fed my London housemates who were ex-youth guys from my church in South Africa, the time that I fed them cat food in their chicken schnitzel sauce. Only to discover months later that it was during the big kind of foot and mouth plague where a lot of the diseased animal meat had been put into cat food. And they, they are all alive and well, as far as I know. Some might say they are doing perfectly, but not me because hashtag too soon. And I'm not even going to talk about the time that inspired by Bear Grylls survival in nature videos, I served a good mate of mine a dish of steak and peas, or more accurately, steak and pea. And we're talking 20 years ago, people. Be gentle. And in my defense, it was just a little bit of pee. And I did share in the same meal because when a joke is that good or bad, it has to properly be committed to. And that guy and I are still good friends. So yes, there are a few what the flip stories. But on a more serious note, the one that came to mind in the category of worst things I've ever done relates back to when I was in high school. So I think I was in standard six or grade eight as it's known today. So about 13 years old. And I remember being super insecure around girls and particularly girls that liked me that I didn't like in a sort of attraction way. And what was interesting was it was almost as if I had the mindset, like this unspoken fear, because this was never anything I actually thought would happen. But I almost behaved or lived as if I had this fear that somebody was going to make me go out with this girl or was going to make me kiss her or was going to make me marry her and be with her for the rest of my life. And and it's this like irrational kind of fear and just not knowing how to be around girls, particularly girls that liked me that I didn't like. And so let's call her Tracy was one such girl. She was a girl in my youth that I knew liked me. And so what happened was interesting. And maybe this part is is one of the most bizarre parts of the story that no one will believe. But I used to cycle to Westerford, where I was at school. And halfway to the school, Tracy would meet me and then cycle with me or cycle behind me to school, just to kind of accompany me as a friend. And I found out later, I found out kind of sometime along the way that she thought that I had a cute bum. And I know that's going to be kind of the hard to believe part in the story. And when I was thinking back on the story, kind of the other like really bizarre part of the story, apart from like everything I did, is that Tracy didn't even go to the same school as me. So it really doesn't make sense that that she was kind of stalking me on the way to school every day. But she used to follow me and I knew that she liked me and it really unsettled me. And, And so I just didn't know really well how to deal with it. And then there was another friend of mine, Sean, who was really good friends with her. 
And one day he told me that Tracy had had a dream that I died. And this is the part that is nuts. This is the part that is incomprehensible. I look back and try to think like, what was I thinking? How did I join these dots? I think this was a good idea. Or how did I even think it was okay or rational or anything? And so he had told me that this girl that liked me had a dream that I died. And I told him to tell her that I'd been in a car accident. And I mean, what the actual adjective 47 year old Brettfish is completely disgusted with 13 year old Brett. And I don't know, like in telling this story and in trying to understand, like what are other people going to think? Because I imagine some people would hear that story and go, oh, it's not a big deal. And I imagine others would hear it and go, wow, you are the worst. How am I even friends with you? But for me, it's just embarrassing. It's shameful. It's disgusting. Like how could I devalue somebody that really, that the only thing they did wrong was liking me. And I was so cruel and vindictive to her. And yet when I say 47-year-old Brett Fish is completely disgusted with 13-year-old Brett, here's the thing. 47-year-old Brett Fish is 13-year-old Brett. Sure, I'm not the same person in that I have grown up and matured and learned to handle my feelings and insecurities a whole lot better, hopefully. But I'm still a future version of that guy. And so I can't hopefully be defined by that moment I have to recognize and own the absolute awfulness of who I was in that moment while making sure that I have done or am doing the work required of me so that I will never be that person again. And I've been thinking about this for a while now. I don't think it's okay to just let go of that story completely. I don't think it's okay to be defined by it and to sit with that for the rest of my life. But I think in remembering that I had the capacity to be that person, that it is possible again, unless I'm doing the work, unless I'm making sure that change has happened and that the person I am today is not the jerk that would do something like that and really hurt somebody who really cared about me. And on top of that, in the shame and embarrassment ranks, I also have a blackface story. And there is absolutely no pride connected to this one. It was a church play that had two black characters. And we had one black youth guy and a tin of cocoa. And so technically brown face, but it is horrendous. And maybe more so that not a single person in the space saw it as problematic in any way. And we can look back and go, well, that was a time when blackface wasn't a problem. And it was more just a sense that it was a time when blackface as a problem had not been explored and looked at and spoken about and thought through. And so it wasn't intentionally racist. It wasn't done to demean or hurt. It was simply done to portray a character in a play. And yet I look back now, knowing the things I know now, knowing that I have a blackface story in my history. And so 47-year-old Breadfish absolutely cringes at the ignorance and racism connected to that teenage breadfish story because that was me that was and that is a part of my story we are all more than the worst thing we have ever done i have to believe that i have to believe that in remembering the story of tracy i have to believe that in remembering the moment that i wore blackface in a church and as i said that statement feels like an easy one to hold to ourselves but how about other people around us what about People who have done things we think are way worse than anything we have done. Does this apply to them? And so the week that I started writing this and planning this, R. Kelly had just been found guilty. 
And the same week, I was also writing a letter to a friend of mine who is in prison for inappropriate behavior with some youth guys under his care. Now, I'm aware that this is deeply sensitive stuff, that we live in the shadow of names and stories that are associated to people such as Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and and just lists of other people. But I also sit with stories in my life of when I was at my very worst. And I want to beg and plead and hope that I will not be defined by the very worst of these. And so what is the difference? If we believe there's a line, then who gets to define that line? And how does that change if it's your best friend or your sister or your son? And so when I tell the story of writing to my friend in prison, it's the second letter that I've written to him. And we weren't particularly good friends. We were people that knew each other, but we were friends. And this thing happened and I didn't know how best to respond because it was very complicated because I knew people on both sides. And only a while later, only much later, did I connect with him. And he wrote back to me and I've just written my second letter. And I sit and I wrestle with this stuff. And so personally, and and this is very much tied up in my faith journey as somebody who tries to follow the words and life of Jesus. But I do think it goes beyond that as well. I believe that for every person, there is at least the possibility of redemption. And I suspect some of you might be disagreeing strongly with me here, and that's okay. Join us for the Twitter conversation if we're still having it. But I'm just sharing my thought journey of this stuff and inviting you to interrogate yours. This is not the belief that everyone will change. Absolutely not. I don't believe that everyone will change. But I absolutely believe that they can. In the deepest core of my being, I believe that the potential for change is available for everyone. Because I have to believe that redemption is possible for that punk kid who told his friend to tell a lie to someone with a crush on him, which caused her a lot of pain. And I have to believe that redemption is possible for that ignorant racist kid who is applying cocoa to his face before he steps into the church. And for me, I think it comes down to this. We are not defined by our very worst acts. And the flip side has to be true as well. We are not defined by our very best moments. And so the final question that I have to ask is, what changed in me? What is different between that 13-year-old monster moment and 47-year-old Brett Fish. How am I not that guy? And three things come to mind, and I speak about this a lot in terms of race stuff because I think these are relevant in so many areas. The first thing that happened was that I recognized that what I had done was wrong and deeply offensive and shameful. I recognized it. Secondly, there had to be a sense of acknowledgement, saying it out loud. I did that thing. That is who I am. But the most important thing is that I started to live differently. And so anytime I see some darkness or filth or evil in me, whether it is in my thoughts or my attitude or my actions, and I choose to get defensive or make excuses or push people away in anger, then those things will define me. But anytime I'm able to recognize and acknowledge and change my behavior as well as do anything within my means to make it right, then there's the hope of seeing a shift in my identity, a growth in character, a redefining of who I really am, a change from being that person to being this person. And it's not a distinct change. It's not like, 
I'm perfect now because I'm not that person. This is work that I will continue to do for the rest of my life because while I may not do a thing as vile as that, I'm still capable of doing other things. I still have to wrestle with my behavior and my attitude on the hockey field. I still have to look at the way I speak to people on social media sometimes who who think differently from me and who push back and are rude and, and evasive and defensive. And I have to look at the way I respond to them. I have not arrived, but I have moved on from some of those things, the things that I've recognized and acknowledged and I've started to live differently. And so if there's an action piece for you to take away from this reflection, it's to consider dealing with any debris that might still need to be moved. And at the moment, I'm actually on a present journey of trying to reach out to some people that I've wronged. And this is stuff that happened years ago. And part of the reflection for me has been trying to figure out if me reaching out to them is a good thing. Because I think there's definite value, or I know there's definite value in it for me to reach out to them, especially if there's able to be forgiveness or anything like that. But I need to figure out, is me reaching out to them after so much time going to be good for them? Is it going to be positive for them? Or is this just a selfish act because I want to be better and feel better? And hopefully there's a combination of this reconnection proving good for them. Maybe they can let go of some of their anger or bad feeling towards me or learn from it in some way, but also good for me. And and it doesn't necessarily mean that those relationships will be healed and doesn't necessarily mean we'll be good friends. But in any means possible where I can put right or wrong, am I taking those steps? Starting with an apology, but also looking for practical action where possible. And the apology thing is maybe something that a whole episode could be over because I think so many people struggle to say sorry. And that's not even before you get to being sorry. Just saying the words and meaning them. And sorry always needs to be connected to action. I'm not going to be that person again or I'm going to put right the things I put wrong. And we see it in South Africa. We see it in this country where in 1994 things changed and the former oppressors mostly didn't even say sorry. And certainly didn't do a lot of sorry. And so we sit decades later and there's still such a mess because we never dealt with those things. And so it starts with an apology, but then we have to look for practical action where possible. And this is the sad truth as I'm wrestling with what I'm talking about. Do I go to these people? Do I try and make it right? Is it going to be worth it for them? I know it's going to be worth it for me, but is this going to be a gift to them or is it going to be something that just makes it harder for them? And this is a harsh reality that I think not all bridges can be rebuilt, but I do think that most wounds can be addressed. And maybe by reaching out, we can make it a little bit easier for somebody we've hurt. And maybe by reaching out, we can create potential for people to heal. Because a lot of times when people are hurt, they build walls around themselves to protect them from being hurt again. And often those walls keep out love and friendship and intimacy and a whole bunch of other things. And so the wrong that we've done to someone else might stop them from receiving a whole lot of right from other people. And so maybe by reaching out, we can break down a wall. We can create the possibility for them to have a relationship with someone else. It doesn't even have to be us. Not all bridges can be rebuilt and that's okay. But most wounds can be addressed and can start to heal. I hope this has been helpful for you. The defined line is the statement we were looking at today. And if you found this episode helpful or interesting in any way, then please, please, please do me the favor of sharing it with your people and encouraging them to have a listen. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if possible, leave a review. 
These are all things which get other people's eyes and ears on it and just help to build up an audience. And it's about reaching more people. It's about being more effective in making a difference in, in people's lives. I use an app called Good Pods, which you can find at Good Pods HQ, I think it is, on the Twitter. And I found it super helpful because as I started making podcasts, that was the kick I needed to start listening to podcasts. And Good Pods is one place I've found, and there are various other places as well, where you can store the podcasts, where you can subscribe to the shows that you like, and where you can easily find new shows. And so if you don't have a dedicated place to listen to podcasts, then think of downloading Good Pods and look for Out of the Fishbowl. And if you are not yet following the show on the Twitter, make sure you do a search for Fishbowl Codcast with a C. And you can follow me at BrettFishA on the Twitter or Instagram. And also check out my blog at breadfish.co.za. And I'm looking forward to chatting to you some more next week as we explore what I call lying questions in an episode titled, Who's Fine? Is it anyway? Until then, I'm Brett Fish. And thank you for listening. Be more than you seem to be. Be more than you seem to be. Cheers.